Yes, hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International. This is the first video program and it's been quite an enterprise to put together, but uh, technology has been on our side tonight and we've got a special guest coming up in our first show. If you're listening on audio, the only difference you'll hear is there's no introduction with the music this week. That'll come back next week when uh, we have time to do the titles and all that sort of stuff. But this week, eh, no audio musical introduction. It's just the dulcet tones of myself, Juro Sen, and, of course, Mark Kabanabar, <laughs> Pinky Cash Cow Cashman. And as I look down here, the split screen. Casho, come on in from the Northern Beaches. Absolutely, Bronk. Uh, wet and very cold up here on the... Uh, uh, listen, uh, all that tech talk, mate, is uh, warming the cockles of my heart, and I'm ready to go. I'm sure it is. All right, Casho, good to speak to you. Uh, it's a watershed moment for us, and I'm happy to say that our next guest has actually got uh, well and truly dressed up for the occasion. And it's uh, the Waratahs captain, newly appointed, Rocky Elson. Rocky, look at you. You look fantastic. No tie, I notice. What, so, uh, so, sorry, I, I missed you there. No tie. What was the reasoning? I didn't think it was appropriate. <laughs> and you're absolutely right, given the two panel members you're on with. Rocky, uh, thanks for joining us for our first video show. And... Uh, I missed you. I clipped your first answer there, but the rest of it will hopefully <laughs> go okay. But Rocky, uh, name captain of the Waratahs, a uh, bit of news this week with it, and uh, I know you've led the Wallabies, so it's not a new thing, and you obviously uh, led the way there at Nudgee many years ago. But the Waratahs, you know, it's a team you've been there before, um, something special for you, but a great honour as well. Yeah, I think so, and it is different because it's a, it's a new team, and uh, it's always important to remember that, new guys, different... Uh, of culture and a different environment so I'm really looking forward to it and I'm happy the boys asked me to do it. Yeah Rock it's um, it's interesting really isn't it uh, it was a decision that sort of seemed to uh, gain momentum from the shop room floor so to speak that uh, very pleasing and uh, what you'd been through uh, just before the World Cup uh, you know it must uh, it must uh, give you some real confidence going into 212. Well, I'm happy that they asked me to do it. I think it's uh, it is a, a better way to get in and do the job when um, you know that you canvass the boys' opinion and they um, and they you know put your name forward. So from that point of view, I think it'll be good. And also, I'm pretty happy with the guys that um, are around me and pretty happy with the squads. Rocky, a stunning uh, backdrop there. You've really uh, gone the extra mile for us tonight too. So thank you very much. No problem, mate. Any time. <laughs> the other day I caught up with you and you were driving around with the Volvo team out at Eastern Creek in Sydney and they had a couple of sweet rides there with Drew Mitchell as well as Tatafu Pilota now. Uh, Drew was saying to me, uh, Rocky, that you know he's really eager to get back and do some ball work. Uh, just a rotten series of injuries for him last season. How important is Drew to not only the Wallabies but the Waratahs because you know some of the stuff he does with the ball in hand is just incredible and... Uh, I think uh, when you come back and he comes back into the fold, the Waratahs will definitely be a force to reckon with. Yeah, that's right. Drew is, uh, without doubt, one of the best finishers in the game and was in outstanding form for you know at least 18 months there until he 
uh, had that terrible injury against the Reds where he had to you know, have the operation. And then on coming back from that, had the uh, hamstring tear against the Russia in, uh, in Nelson. And then just before he went on the spring tour, they found another tear in his ankle. So, you know, a, a terrible um, you know, series of events there for him. And, yeah, I can imagine he's pretty keen to get amongst it because, you know, as you you'd probably know this, Bronk, but when you're doing rehab, you do it by yourself. So, mm. you know, just, uh, just the games and the competition of training with other guys is something that uh, you begin to miss pretty quickly. You had major surgery on your hamstrings uh, during the off-season, but uh, it seems as though this is probably going to be a rare year for you when you're uh, heading into uh, into the start of a season pretty well untroubled. Yeah, well, that's the plan anyway. I mean, uh, I'll miss the start of the season, but hopefully things will be uh, good from there on in. You know, and I've had no trouble with my shoulder of late and my hamstring's coming along really well, so I couldn't ask for too much more. Well, Rocky, we spoke about the um, surgery you had, and it's quite uh, involved, wasn't it? It uh, was a big moment for you because you had tendons reattached, and this could be a really important point for you where your hammies are in better shape than they've ever been. Do you feel that uh, it's already in a, a better position that previous seasons have not been as kind to you? Uh, well, I think that if you look at... Um you know, uh, how it feels now as opposed to, say, six months. It's a lot easier for me to get around. Uh, and I think just the key from now is to strengthen it. But, yeah, I guess the, the big trouble I had in the past was just that it wasn't, you know, no one was quite sure about what the injury was, um, <clears throat> although the surgeon seemed pretty confident. And in the end, uh, he was probably right. But I, I couldn't quite say what the problem was. You know, from the scans, it was a bit inconclusive. It was only when you opened it up that it, it looked the way it did. So, you know, for me, I was lucky that I had that time to, um, you know, get it repaired and get on top of it. Uh, Rock, Michael Foley's uh, first time through as a head coach, uh, obviously a man with a lot of attention to detail, but uh, he surrounded himself with some uh, with some pretty good, pretty good people there. Alan Gaffney, the riffs, uh, obviously the uh, uh, the wise head amongst uh, the the other guys there, but it's a it's a pretty handy coaching team from uh, looking in from the outside. Yeah, they did pretty well to get Alan Gaffney on board. I think um, that was. Uh, uh, unanimous applause uh, from pretty well everyone when um, when he was appointed and you know he's had excellent success I think he took Ireland to uh, their first undefeated calendar year which maybe it's their only one um, and they also had the Six Nations title Leinster won uh, you know a few Heineken Cups under him and a Magnus League so he's no stranger to success so I can imagine that um, Jason Allen and Michael Foley were uh, just uh, rubbing their hands together when he came on board. Does does Gaffney um, sort of uh, encroach into the forward play? Do you look at it as a fifteen man game? H- how does his brilliance come into the side and t- the the totality of coaching? Yeah, well, I think that uh, Alan's got um, uh, some pretty sharp ways of running a backline, which you know, the proof's in the pudding a bit there. But also, you know, it's a 15-man it's a game. You can't run one without the other. And, you know, they, they do overlap um, in plenty of places. And, and, you know, pretty well, the only place that they're different is from launch plays. You know, like the only play where you don't have a forward around or you can't use them is when you're launching and, you know, when you're a full line-out or when you're in a, 
delivering a ball off a scrum. So it does overlap and it seems like a pretty good mix with the two of them uh, running the show. I, I know speaking to uh, uh, Defoles himself, he was he was very keen for uh, your kicking game to be a lot more positive than it has been in the past and also to use uh, players of the ilk of, uh, of Cyril Pretorius, who uh, looks like a pretty handy acquisition to the squad, the uh, the Cheetahs number nine, who just incidentally uh, was a top try scorer in, in Super Rugby in 211. Yeah, and he was also, the I think, the South African Super Rugby Player of the Year uh, which is, and they've got some fa- they've got fair players over there. But I think, um, yeah, the, the, the point about kicking is that there's no problem with kicking as long as uh, you don't kick out of frustration and that kicking puts the other team under some kind of pressure. Um, and I think that that was, the, that was one of the things the boys identified from last year that they wanted to get on top of, which was more um, uh, of, a, of a kicking game that occurs on our own terms rather than... Um, you know, because we were under pressure or um, that uh, we had no other option. So that's one thing that we've been focusing because, you know, if you look at the game, kicks can be a great part of it, but they can also be a, um, a bit of a waste as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the tactical um, problems ahead are, I think, great because everyone tries to make a prediction, don't they, uh, Rocky, about how the season's going to go. So the Reds... Favourites in many eyes about how they played last year, but it's not silly. He knows the same plan is not going to win in 2012. And you'd be acutely aware of that, that you've you just got to say, OK, that's happened last year, but we need to do something a little bit different to make sure we're successful in 2012. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's so much about doing something different, but just doing it better, you know, because every year teams progress and, and those that... Uh, progress less or don't or stagnate, um, they, they get uh, left behind. And the ones that can just keep pushing on, uh, you'll see in the around the pointy end of the season. So I think for the Reds and, and everyone else, and you know, your Canterbury's or the Stormers, you know, whoever was, um, and the Blues, whoever looked to be uh, you know, going for a run at the title again, they're just looking to do things a lot better, as we are as well. So it's about um, being more effective with uh, what you're doing. And to be honest, I think the Reds are really comfortable with the way they play there. I know, I know they've lost Quade, but they've still got Will at the base and uh, he provides a lot of direction um, support to whoever the ten's going to be. Rock, uh, we haven't mentioned Adam Ashley Cooper uh, in any of the conversations so far. He's obviously a, a, a pretty good signing, uh, not only for his fashion sense, his, uh, his rugby ability is pretty good too. Yeah, he certainly is a snappy dresser, old uh, swoop, as he um, seems to call himself. But I think that the big thing that he offers is just a very professional attitude. You know, he's, uh, you can see in the way he plays, he really loves it out there and he's extremely well. And he's, um, you know, he's a truly professional player, and that uh, that can only help the organisation. Uh, Casho, I might get you to ask another question because I'm just dealing with a background here. <laughs> oh, right, and uh, Rock, uh, while we're on uh, Adam Ashley Cooper, mate, uh, how's he sort of settled into uh, the Paddington sort of lifestyle? Because uh, I think that's uh, that's where he's living now. It'd, uh, it'd be, uh, you know, lattes, coffees, and, and and the whole scene, really, wouldn't it? Around uh, around the footy stadium? Oh, you'd have to ask him where he lives, mate. But I think uh, he's enjoying it. Um, oh, I've come back to Sydney myself and quite enjoyed training there at Moore Park and 
and uh, using the facilities. And, you know, I think that uh, we both had quite good times in Canberra and, and enjoyed the time we had down there. But um, this is something new and I know that uh, I'm certainly enjoying it and he's much the same. Uh, and one more cash show, please. Obviously, you can ask me about my sweet drive. <laughs> well, uh, while we're talking about props, uh, Benny Robinson's uh, probably your favourite loose hit in the world, Rock. Um, how's, how's he sort of coming along uh, slowly? Is he, uh, he going to make an impression early or is he a guy that's going to have to work his way into the season? Well, you would think that someone that's coming back from a uh, cruise ship like he is, is is going to have to take it pretty slow. But he had his first full scrummaging day the other day and he uh, had them absolutely in a pretzel. He's um, He was good to go right from the start and, and he's pretty uh, he's pretty quick to get into the groove around the park as well. So I'd imagine he's going to come on a bit quicker than people will expect just because um, from what I've seen so far, he's, uh, it's like he's never left. And uh, Rocky, he'd uh, probably eat all the pretzels as well. <laughs> oh, that's unfair, mate. He's in actually, he's in, he's actually in terrific nick. Um, yeah, well, the, the thing about uh, the cat is that uh, he almost made it back for the World Cup and it was a, a courageous thing. But um, when you get so close to that and disappointed, and Rocky, you know about injuries obviously as well, where um, it's just going to happen in your footy career. Did you did you sit down with him at any point during that uh, that difficult time where um, he had a second chance for a brief moment and say, you know, look, you'll be there for the next World Cup? But he's because I, you know, we believe here on this show that he's definitely got another World Cup in him, hasn't he? Yeah, I think everybody thinks that. But the sad thing for Cat is that, you know, in two thousand and seven, he had a similar thing happen. He was playing for Eastwood before the World Cup and uh, broke his foot wasn't able to go and then this time did his cruciate a training doing a pretty simple drill um, but you know I don't know if it was better or worse but he still had you know some stability in his knee despite the fact that he'd torn his cruciate so you know there's a chance that, a very slim chance that some people can carry on without that ligament keeping it together and still be stable through their knee and and Cat was pretty strong through there so he you know did what we all probably would do is we'd give it a shot and then he knew he wasn't going to be able to um, go through after a few weeks and, um, you know, I guess it might have softened the blow for him, but it was uh, unfortunate nonetheless we certainly could have used him. Rock, um, rotation uh, is, is a word that, um, you know, has different sort of ramifications. Uh, it's going to be something that uh, you guys are going to have to uh, live with during this year because it's an extended season. There's the the June test window. So uh, guys are going to have to be rotated in and out. So it's, uh, it's probably something you're not unfamiliar with uh, after, after your time at uh, uh, Leinster. Uh, plans in place to, uh, to embark on, the, on, on that rotation policy? Well, I think when I was at Leinster, I would have played nearly every game since I, got, since I arrived at the club. Um, and there were a couple of guys in that boat. But the difference here is that we have 30-man squads, 22 on match day, and accounting for any number of injuries, you might not get the chance to rotate blokes as you might like, um, which is going to be difficult because if you look at the season last year, there were so many injuries, particularly that Waratahs team that went over to Auckland to play in the semi-final. Like, uh, you would never have picked that at the start of the year. So I'm sure that coaches will intend to do that, but whether or not they're able to, that's something else. 
Well, uh, speaking about uh, Leinster and uh, the Irish teams, for that matter, doing quite well. Casho, uh, I mean, if you look at the list there, the Heineken Cup's been quite successful. We mentioned it with Kissy before. We'll cover it again with him before he heads into the Six Nations this weekend. But, you know, you know, Rocky's been there before, but this has been a pretty good effort because Munster has had a tough time the last couple of years. But, um, you know, they're looking good this time. Yeah, Rock, that's uh, that's uh, definitely right. But uh, obviously Leinster, uh, they've got their quarterfinal against uh, the Cardiff Blues and they're nicely positioned, even though they all, uh, they'll have to deal without the uh, the likes of Brian O'Driscoll through that sort of period. But uh, yeah, there's uh, a lot of action coming up this weekend, Munster and Ulster. Uh, I think we spoke with Rocky about that game a bit earlier, Leinster and Cardiff Blues, Edinburgh and Toulouse, Saracens and, uh, and, and Clermont. So... Uh, a pretty strong Irish sort of uh, taste all throughout those uh, those Heineken Cup quarterfinals uh, coming up in April. Yeah, absolutely. But before that, uh, Rocky, um, your thoughts on the Six Nations? We talk about Les Kiss with him last week about the, the stability of Ireland uh, in the coaching ranks. So obviously, Gaffney going, but generally stable. So is Wales. But there was mo- there's going to be movement in Scotland. Uh, there has been movement in England, obviously, and there has been movement in France and movement in Italy. So there's a bit of a uh, surprise packet, I think, in some respects for the games coming up this weekend. And I guess the England-Scotland game is, is basically a toss of the coin at this point. If... Uh, you know, um, England can't uh, improve on the World Cup. So are you saying that the England Scotland's a 50-50 at the moment? Yeah, are I you... think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'd take England then if you... <laughs> but I think that what you'll see is that maybe, you know, new styles from the teams. You know, yeah. we saw in 2010 Martin Johnson's style sort of come through the way he wanted the guys to play and it was pretty attractive, really. Uh, where you know where they could, they they use the ball pretty well, and I think we've always seen that from Ireland and and Wales have their own sort of uh, style there that um, Warren's been working on f- for some time. So England will be new, and I think that uh, you find the same with Scotland. I'm really interested to see how France turn out because um, you know, other than doing exceptionally well in the final, they can't have been too happy with their early form uh, in the World Cup, but um, they certainly have a lot of good players. So. You know they're capable of of anything, but it'd be interesting to see what they turn out. The thing about Rocky, Scotland, though, in particular, though Rocky, is that uh, they live for those big games where they can sniff maybe a chance, and um, they've done it with Australia, as you obviously know. And uh, but they do save a lot for England as well. It's a it's a natural a natural and uh, obvious uh, game for them to to lift and prove something to the bigger country. Yeah, I think that Scotland have a, quite a good scrum too, so they they'll try and uh, uh, have a go at England there. Who England aren't bad, but I think that Scotland would fancy themselves in the scrum, and uh, and also there is a big rivalry there. I don't think any team has to try too hard to get motivated to play England. Rock, uh, do you keep a close eye on the Six Nations stuff and? Discuss it uh, on a Monday morning with uh, with the guys in the team, particularly in light of the the way the games are uh, being refereed, because you you are getting an indication about uh, how Super Rugby is going to be handled uh, once the season's underway from uh, from these particular games, getting a few leads on uh, which which way the game's going. The styles, as much as they say they are the same, they are very different, and. Um... You know, what we get down here, particularly around the Super Rugby time, to what they get for their tests up there can be chalk and cheese. So, 
you know, as much as I am interested in uh, to see how the teams play, you know, the slightly different styles and then the way that's interpreted or the way the rules are interpreted, I um I leave that to someone else to talk about. The uh, the thing I saw the other day was some impressive driving skills from yourself, Drew Mitchell, and not so much from Tatafu <laughs> Pilotta. Now, um, and it's something that uh, I know you enjoy. Of course, you had that little prang in Dublin a few years ago, but what is it about driving that you like? And uh, looking at um, what's coming through in the news feeds at the moment, all the uh, Formula One teams are announcing their campaigns for the season and uh, there's the speed. What is it about uh, motorsport or driving, for that matter, that you enjoy? Well, for starters, the accident, you make it sound like I was speeding and got in an accident in Dublin. I went through a green light and someone went through a red light and T-boned me, so... Like, there's not much I can do about it. Who were you driving? Um, I was driving a Vauxhall, I think. Okay, yeah. I think. Um, but, uh, no, the driving now, the Volvo have come on board as a sponsor and they pretty well gave us free run at their cars um, out at Eastern Creek. And around town, I'm quite a slow driver. Like, uh, I wouldn't have a particularly fast car. I just um, sort of pot around. But when you get a chance to strap it and then give it back, <laughs> I... Um, I certainly enjoy that, and we did have a good time there. I don't know what Tatafu was thinking. We were racing <laughs> was on the track, and he picked, he picked a diesel, which is reasonably quick, but it's like it's a slower car out of the three cars that were out there. So, fact, mm. his driving skills, but we certainly had a blast. Yeah, and Drew, I mean, Drew, uh, speedy, but is he a lead foot when it comes to a, a performance vehicle? I was actually surprised. I mean. You know, to me, the Volvo's the the beige wagon, but they're a lot different nowadays. Yeah, I think that their styling's changed, so they look a bit different. But also, um, the one I was in absolutely hammered, and uh, I was a little bit um, uh, worried about you know getting around so quick in the wet because it was pouring down. But it really stuck pretty well to the road and probably saved me from going to the gravel a few times with all the aids on. Rocky, are you, are, you a, are you a V8 man or a Formula One man or anything along those lines? Do you, do you follow any, any of that uh, sort of motorsport? Because you, you're obviously pretty, pretty keen on, uh, on the cars. Oh, I'm pretty keen for Mark Webber to do well, but other than that, I don't really follow the cars too much. Um, I enjoy a bit, of the, um, a bit of the Formula One from time to time, but I'm not a massive motorsport man. Rocky, what state do you think the game's in after the World Cup? Uh, we all agreed it was pretty good. The second-tier nations had cut their deficits by about half, from 40 points to 30, 20 points in the lead-up games, uh, in the uh, pool games. Do you think the, there is headway there in making the game even more competitive globally? Yeah, well, I think the thing about the um, World Cup years is that those second-tier nations get more use of their players. So Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, um, they get more players back from Europe than they do normally. And it's going to be very difficult for them to um, consistently be top-tier nations without their uh, top-line players all the time. And that's always been a challenge for them is getting them back on a regular basis, which is um, harder than it sounds. Uh, and, you know, I think on the whole, the um, you know the tournament was pretty reasonably enjoyed by everyone and that's a, that's a pretty good indicator that it was a good World Cup 
Rock uh, New Zealand won. Uh, they probably didn't deserve to win the final, but I think they deserved to win the uh, the actual tournament. Uh, Steve Hansen's sort of taken over. Uh, uh, the way forward for them, it's uh, it's, it's going to be a turnover there of uh, a number of uh, their, their sort of players. Uh, they're obviously in uh, in reasonable shape at uh, at any time, aren't they? Oh yeah, which ones do you think are going to turn over? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just like talking about uh, you know the guys who have gone, who have retired, who have moved to uh, to play in Japan, <laughs> Japan, all those guys. You're on the spot, Kashgar. Well, Brad, uh, Brad Thorne, he's going to be a big loss. You know, I know he was getting on, but he's, you know, obviously a very good player, but also seemed to be somewhat of a um, uh, an icon inside the team and for a lot of reasons, and I think that uh, he'll be missed. I'm sure they've got plenty of good players to fill the spots, but, uh, you know, uh, maybe Mill's not there. It'll be a different face, but essentially what they do have is an excellent rugby program and a great culture um, of success, so... I can imagine they're still going to be in pretty good shape. Hey, Rock, I don't want to harp on it, though, but when you talked about your hamstrings before, did you feel like you became a bit of a Rocky Elsom MD? You you really uh, really got yourself involved in the, the finer details and taking, I don't know, do you feel like you took a bit of ownership in, in your own injury? I know you've always been uh, diligent in the way you prepared, and having had hammies myself, it... And having to you know take an hour to warm up for games sometimes uh, it does uh, frustrate you does don't and it also impacts on the team a little bit because you got to you got to do this extra preparation to get ready ready don't you so uh, I mean obviously you you've taken a bit more interest in the particular nature of that injury. Yeah, so I think that there was uh, a bit of a difference between the symptoms I was getting and the diagnosis I had on it, which. Uh, it was a little bit uh, difficult because you don't really know where you stand. But, I mean, at any given game, everyone's got something. And um, and I had that that I was managing. And, you know, I guess the trick is to try and make sure that it doesn't show. Um, and also, too, you've got to try and work out what's going on for you because no two injuries are exactly the same. Uh, so I had to uh, take a pretty keen interest in what was going on and, and still do. All right, Rocky, well, we always keep a keen interest on your career. Congratulations on getting the Waratahs captaincy. Is there any hint of who's going to deputise for you in the moment uh, before you take charge? I really couldn't tell you that right now, Bronk. <laughs> but thanks for dressing up. Looks good. Maybe a Windsor knot next time with a tie would be wonderful, Cash Cow. Perhaps even a cravat rock at some stage. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll style. Yes, lovely. All right, Rocky. There he is, Rocky Olsum. Uh, one of the great products of Nudgy. Thanks for joining us tonight, mate. No worries, guys. See ya. And there he is, Rocky Elsom, joining us uh, this evening. What a champion fella. And he always has plenty of time for us in Rugged Matrix. And, of course, that means for everyone out there. And now you can see him. And what a great backdrop. Now it's time to talk Six Nations series. Uh, after we joked around before, I'm still sticking with my prediction over Scotland. They've got a good record of Murrayfield against uh, all comers and you know it's a, a tough one for England to do at Murrayfield it's a it's a tough place to play and I think they'll be ready for them now let's bring in our mega panel again and there he is up at the top right hand corner Les Kiss you're looking fantastic and you're looking very cerebral with those glasses 
G'day, guys. How are you? The glasses do nothing. I just wear it for that effect. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me as I take a sip of the uh, espresso. Um, this has magically gone from a nighttime recording to early morning. But through the brilliance <laughs> of editing, we are in one stream. Now, Kissy, welcome to the first video show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Uh, a long, a long way back, I remember glasses of red. Was it uh, with uh, Chris Whitaker and Morgan's first ever uh, podcast? Two thousand six. Espresso. Something's happened, mate. Something's yeah. happened. <laughs> Two thousand six, Kissy. That was our um, our first show. So we've been doing it a long time, and uh, one day we'll actually get good at it. <laughs> uh, Kissy, um, this is a big weekend. I really like the look of your team. Um, it is uh, a massive series post-World Cup, isn't it? And uh, I'm so excited. What's the vibe in the camp? And uh, are you ready to rip in on uh, Sunday? Yeah, it's massive, isn't it? I think every Six Nations is mass- massive, uh, no doubt about that. I think from our point of view, you know, the, the, the actual... Uh, uh, vibe in the camp is good. I, the provinces have come come through a, a grueling uh, Heineken, Heineken Cup qualifying period and, and done exceptionally well, and uh, so that's that's certainly brought the guys in in good spirits. Um, so overall, the, the camp is in a is a nice place. There's been some good work done over the last week and a half, and uh, you know now it's it's you know most of the work's done. It's it's to it's now just doing the putting the polish on the rest of the week for a big test against Wales and. You know, there's been a lot written about it and a lot said about it. And, uh, you know, there's uh, a good team we're going to face, so a big battle for us. Yeah, absolutely, Kissy. Uh, haven't won an international. You haven't played an international since uh, that uh, Rugby World Cup quarterfinal. But, uh, you know, the, uh, there's a different feel about the island team, isn't there, with, uh, without Brian O'Driscoll. And Keith Earls is the guy who gets the chance to uh, make his mark uh, this time through. He brings something different to the team, doesn't he? Yeah, well, uh, there's, there's a huge rap on Keith Earls here in Ireland. Um, in the World Cup, he, he played uh, left wing. I think he scored five tries in a tournament. He had a very good tournament, but uh, he's regularly, you know, uh, gone into the 13 channel uh, when Brian hasn't played, I think three or four times, and, and obviously during games has, has always been our cover for that area. Um, so uh, we, we feel that um, he'll do a fine job for us there as he has in the past. Uh, so that should be good. And yes, you're right. Uh, without Brian around the place, it certainly is a little bit different. But to the guys' credit, they have it's not something they've lamented. They've just got on with the job. It's um, it's just how it is. Um, you know, if you look at uh, also David Wallace has been injured. You had Dennis Leamy who was part of our Test uh, team. It, it, Cup. There's another couple missing. Uh, when you talk about those as well, and. Uh, you know, Leo Cullens had to had, had to pull out with injury and have some surgery as well. So we've yeah, we've had a, f- a few little ch- changes around the place, but um, that's what it is. Um, you, you you can't lament those things. You've got to move forward, and and uh, we've got plenty of good players here to, to do that with. You've got some young guys really making an impact. So you must be happy with the way that you're starting to weave these new guys through the generational change that needs to happen you know, with uh, your players over the, the coming year or so? Yeah, well, that's certainly uh, correct there, Bronk. It seems England have been a little bit more aggressive with theirs uh, in terms of moving forward. 
you look at France, they've made minimal changes. They've kept the, uh, you know, the bulk of their squad, but they brought a couple of, you know, interesting people into the mix there with uh, the, the number 12 for Fana starting there this week against Italy. So there's a debut there for them. Uh, Italy have made a few changes around the edges. Uh, we don't know what the, has been, is going to be, Welsh team is at this stage. They name that tomorrow. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But, um, you know, each, each nation has their, their challenges in that area. For us, uh, ours is unique. It's um, you know we don't have a lot of uh, heavy numbers in terms of uh, of the types of pl- a number of players that we can go to. So you know it would be remiss of us to do something like England have done. That's for sure. And um, and, and when you look at the Heineken Cup form, there's a lot of players who've done exceptionally well. And um, when they have done well at that competition, it's it's always served us. Uh, you can't look you can't look past the bulk of those guys who've done the job before. But but you know, there's there's been some nice surges by players putting their hand up, having good good form on a regular basis for their clubs, and and even in the in the World Cup they put their hand up and uh, aimed up as well. You know, you know we've got Peter Marnie on the bench who's, who's come to the fore in the Heineken Cup this year. Uh, we've got Fergus McFadden who's just he's just has been in really good form this year, doing a great job, and and we know Connor Murray have recently picked. Um, for the World Cup with no test experience. So, you know, there's been a nice weave of those guys coming in and, and those things sometimes have uh, happened naturally through form and, and just having to select and sometimes they happen because of injury. And, uh, uh, you know, the way Declan's managed it, I think, has been uh, uh, very good, I think. Les, on the, uh, on the other side of the fence, one of the big behind-the-scenes stories at uh, Rugby World Cup was Wales travelling to Poland for their cryogenics training. They've done it in the lead-up to uh, this particular Six Nations Championship, but uh, it gets them as fit as they possibly can be and they can tip a lot of work into them at, uh, at this particular stage. Uh, What's, what, what's your feel for that? Uh, does that mean you guys have got to be on your on on uh, on the alert, particularly in those last ten or fifteen minutes of this international? Well, well, it served them well um, in terms of the World Cup, that's for sure, and a certain belief in science behind it that 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 um, that, that people you know, feel they can make a difference. So, you know, they they back that and good on them. You know, that's what it's about. You've, you've got to make a decision about what you think is right for your squad and, and go ahead and do it. Uh, I know Ireland have done it in the past and it's, and it's, and it's sort of felt that it's not something that's necessary for the, uh, the, the Irish team at this stage. Um, so good luck to Wales. They've, they've, they've continued down that pathway. Uh, Will it make us think on our toes for the last 10 or 15, Kasha? Look, I think we would be on our toes anyway. You know, the last outing against them, uh, the last match of the World Cup, uh, you know, wasn't the best finish for us. So, you know, we have a bit to play for. And, um, you know, it's, it's not about revenge at all. It's it's about just making sure that we do ourselves justice uh, more than we did in that game anyway. And, and you have to take your hat off to Wales. They did play well and they were a fit team and uh, they're hoping they can get the same from the from the Spala experience that they did in the World Cup. And um, so it'll be interesting to see how that all comes up uh, in terms of a shorter preparation into a Six Nations. Les, uh, impressed with some of the stuff that's been coming out of Stuart Lancaster with England. Uh, you know, he's been given a chance here while they uh, look to put a more permanent solution in place. But... You know, he's been saying the right things. He's been getting the team back out, out amongst the public. And it's really important to, to be just a, you know, a, a touch away from your supporters, 
from the people out there that come and support you because, I mean, in England there's plenty of them, isn't there? So I, I think uh, they may have drifted over time away from the, from the people. But uh, he's certainly making some nice noises and, uh, you know, I think the British press, in, in uh, the first instance anyway, and they're hard to impress, uh, pretty happy with uh, what they've seen thus far. Inexperienced lineup in terms of test caps coming up against Scotland, like a mile. Um, but uh, I think they're impressed with what they're seeing. As you talked about, they were quite aggressive in, in the selection process there. Yeah, and they all... They also were aggressive right through the line down at their Saxons, eh? They, they, they put some you know, new players into that squad as well and had a bit of experience and youth in that team. So, you know, that's been across the board. Um, I think Stuart uh, Lancaster's done a fine job for him thus far for a, for a position of that nature. And we all know this guy's uh, to be to be called in to be called a caretaker coach or an interim coach, but you can also apply when the application process comes forward. It's a... It's a, a weird situation to be in, I could I could imagine. So, uh, there's, you know, he's got to handle that as well. But it, it seems like he's done it exceptionally well. Uh, you know, he's been part of that system for a while and uh, has pushed through some young players into the senior team on a regular basis in recent years. And uh, now that he has the uh, the reins there, he's he's made some calls on on some guys before before other coaches may have done it. So, um, he's got nothing to lose. I guess this is, you know. Is it a brave move? No, I just think the environment's it's it's set that for that. Uh, I wouldn't say it's an easy call, but it, it's certainly easier knowing that um, he's got nothing to lose really. If it works, he's a genius, and it'll go well in terms of him being able to say, uh, "Guys, pick me. I'm the man for the job." And um, uh, why look out? Why don't you just put me on full time and, and give me a, a crack at this to the next World Cup? So that's that's what's on the plate for him. And that's what that's what it's, is at stake. And um, and if it doesn't work out. Uh, he can also say that I've, I've done the country a service. So there, there's that nature to it. And um, and that's not being critical. I just think he's approached it in the right way. And, and, and it's some interesting interesting uh, selections there. The 10, to, uh, 12, 13, even the 11, you know, all coming from one club. So they've got some continuity flowing through the ranks there. And it's, it's a fairly impressive side they put out, that's for sure. Yeah, I think he's done the right job there. Casho, I know you've got to head into a meeting... Uh in town, so why don't you fire off one more and we'll let you go. Uh, Lisa, I was wondering if you could uh, you could uh, bring the Rugger Matrix family up up to uh, up to speed with uh, what you know about England's new captain. He's uh, it's Chris Robshaw, the, uh, the 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 back rower, who's uh, who's not only making his captaincy debut for England, he's also making his Six Nations debut. So quite a quite an afternoon for him at uh, at Murrayfield. Yeah, he's got some shoes to fill, hasn't he? Um, you know, to walk into a, a number seven role, uh, first Six Nations uh, captain, uh, up to Murrayfield, uh, that's going to be a cracker. It's not going to be an easy task by any means. Um, so Chris has got a you know a lot on his plate with that. But you know, you only have to look at his form with the Quins. Uh, he's been he's been in exceptional form, consistent exceptional form all year. Uh, a massive uh, presence at the breakdown. A massive presence in terms of his leadership and the way that he deals with the referees and, and, and situations like that. I, I, an astute call by uh, Lancaster. I, uh, you know, th- There was another opportunity there to actually say, let's look out and see what other leadership qualities are, are, are around in English rugby. And um, he's picked someone who's taken a team that before Christmas, I think, won 13 or 14 in a row, uh, were doing well 
uh, in the Heineken Cup. Uh, just got done in the last game by by a tenacious Connor team, which put him to put paid to any plans there. But they went to Toulouse and, and won a game over there, which is extremely tough. So he's been at been at the coalface of some you know major matches, uh, Chris Robshaw. So I, you know, I think it's a it's a call that's uh, well founded. And uh, again. Uh, uh, you'd have to take out off to Stuart Lancaster for, for making that call. I, look, I, this game is going to be interesting. It's um, you know, you'd you'd like you'd like to well, most people would like to say that England should win this game. It's it's just the way it is. But up at Murrayfield, you've got a very experienced team up there. They'll be they'll be driven by that last match they played in the World Cup. I think it was the last one against England, and uh, they felt uh, in a way that they should have won that game. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to say the least. Uh, I, 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 to predict it, it's tough. Um, something in the waters that says that there's a, a Scottish team that may may just be ready to do a job here. Um, but you know, when you've got young guys in a team that have done well for their clubs, you know, uh, and have a chance here now for England, and they want to have that white shirt for a while, it's going to be interesting how they come up. And- you can't imagine them being anything less than absolutely 100% committed and enthusiastic to their cause. Well, uh, Kissy, uh, Rocky Elsom thought I was out of space when I predicted that this was a toss of the coin. And uh, I think you just got to look at the history of, of... I just think people are too easily uh, happy to write off Scotland when plenty of yeah. big teams have gone there, Australia have done it themselves, and they've been sent packing. And their record there is really good. I think that's the key, the fact that it's at Murrayfield. If this was at Twickenham, I would be leaning heavily towards England, I think. But it, it being uh, up in Scotland, you know, there's been a cold snap just hit the hit the uh, place here recently. You know, there could be a little bit of snow around, a bit of ice. You know, it's it's, it's you know a bit of wind coming there from the north. It becomes a cold bit of place, uh, Murrayfield, and uh, so that you know those things all go well for the Scottish cause. And uh, that's not to say England won't be up for that. Um, you know. They're, they're a quality a quality outfit for sure. So, I think it, it I think it's a good way to put it. It's it's a toss of the coin at this stage, and uh, it'll be interesting to say the least. I'll be I'll be watching anyway uh, on Saturday, and, uh, as we're the last game in the weekend, so we get a chance to watch the French Italian game and and the Scottish uh, English game. So it'll be interesting. All right. You've, uh, yep. you've obviously been uh, looking at the uh, statistics which show that England haven't won at Murrayfield since 2004. So there's mm. been three matches up there and uh, there's been two losses and a draw. So Les, just, just sort of moving on to the uh, the Italy game, I, I sort of feel with their new coach, uh, uh, Brunel, that, uh, and a new coach for France, that uh, this one's going to be a hell of a lot closer than a lot of people think. Uh, yeah, there's been a couple of commentaries over here uh, saying the same thing, um, uh, Cash. I, I probably have a little bit of a different opinion. I think, uh, you know, this this game will be won completely in the end by France, um, uh, only because it's it's a it's it's on their turf. They've got a um, you know a strong lineup that's coming off a World Cup, which they, they you know felt they, they could have won or should have won, despite the dysfunctional nature of their of their campaign, you know, the players stuck together and got a job done. He's kept them, you know, a fair slab of the team together. A couple of interesting selections, definitely with, um, you know, the the, uh, the prop to Batty, I think, is the last game he played was, you know, two or three years ago. He's back into the loose head there. And um, Harry Nordeke also left off the bench, which is amazing to me. I, I, it's fascinating. Um, 
it was explained by uh, uh, one person here that um, uh, uh, the, the coach of the the French team, uh, Saint Andre, was um, anglicised. He's picked a big pack, you know, uh, probably forgetting some of the the, the elements that uh, Harry Nordicky brings to the game, that French Latin feel to the game, and and that other type of edge he does have, and he's gone for you know a little bit more size and a bit more pragmatism in his pack, and um, he's going forward in that fashion. So whether that bites him in the bum, I don't know, but I just think it's a, a powerful side that will will in the end uh, put a few points on Italy at the at the back end of the game. Uh, you know, that's not disrespecting Italy. I just I just feel that there's. Um, you know, both teams have new coaches. I think I just think France will have this game. It'll be tough for a long period because they have a lot of pride and they've improved their rugby out of sight, Italy. But, and um, under a new coach, anything can happen. We know that, guys. We know that. But um, I just feel France might just go away from the last 10 or 15 minutes. All right, Casho, I know you have to go. Kissy, while uh, we say goodbye to Casho, I might just get a tap See that. You, uh, just push that, uh, l- that lid down a little bit more because you've got that headroom starting to appear at the top. And... Uh, we're seeing a bit more of a, it seems tends to creep up. You've got a little uh, laptop with a mind of its own. So, uh, Cash Cow, thanks for joining us in our first video show. And uh, look, a million dollars. And uh, Cash Cow, we'll uh, see you soon. Great to be on board again, Les. Give those uh, thanks, red mate. dragons a bit of curry, mate. <laughs> Shall do. Cheers, mate. All right, there he is, uh, Mark Cashman. Uh, he's going to say goodbye, and there he goes, and I'll get Kissy back on the other screen. So uh, thanks to Cash Cow. So, Les, I just want to... Is Cash off to his Bikram's yoga or something, or did you say he's off to work? He's off to work. Did, he's you, off quali- to work. did you qualify that? Well, sure? you know, I did say work. I did say work. I think he's got a nine <laughs> 9.30 meeting. It's, a, it's an early one. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's a bit early for him to go to work. Yeah, sure. all right. Now the cash has gone, we can get on with the real sort of meaty stuff. <laughs> but uh, it was a pleasure to have Rocky on earlier. You and I know him really well. Um, I remember calling his first game when he was captain at Nudgee and thinking the guy was going to be a wallaby and saying it on record, Kissy. It's on tape. It's on videotape. I said this kid's going to play for the Wallabies uh, when we videoed and put to air a game between uh, Nudgee and Terrace. Uh, he's captain of Australia and I remember saying at the time I thought it was a bit ordinary the way that whole thing happened before the World Cup and it's great to see he's now captain of the Waratahs and as was explained earlier Kissy, the players wanted him as captain so I, I think as a personal friend of yours as well that you must be happy for him in that regard. Oh, definitely. I think it's the right call by a long way. Uh, and that's not disregarding some of the leadership they do have at the Waratahs. But, um, you know, he has a, a, a massive influence on the players around him. Um, you know, he came for some criticism um, at the Wallabies there and, and they made some moves. I, I must agree. I, I didn't totally agree with it. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, it, I'm not judging the, 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 the decision. It just seemed weird, I guess. But, um, uh you know, Hall is also a quality person to have there and um, uh, to work with. But, you know, true to Rocky Form, he, he got on and did his job and, and he always does that. But I think uh, it seems it seems like, in my book anyway, that they've made the right call there. He, he's a great player, a great leader. And, and as you say, it's uh, from what I've heard too, uh, the players were keen to have him at the helm for him. So a great move. I think it'll serve him well going into the championship. Can we do a really quick uh, in-depth analysis, Les? And this is just about leadership. Now, the trend 
in uh, sports, of course, is leadership groups. I guess it's a it's a bit of an issue for some teams. Now, I, I know yeah. Link's, Link's been on the show where he dispensed with a leadership group and they've pretty much yeah, drove everything through the captain. Now, in rugby league, you know, Michael Maguire, he's uh, taken over the South Sydney team. He named five captains for the year. I've never heard of that. Five captains. I've always been someone of the belief that you need one leader at the top to drive everything. And that means you know where to look in the clutch plays. The leader can do it. And then you have a deputy if he's not on the field. So, Les, if you have a number of captains like that, and if you have an expanded leadership group, don't you run into difficulties when uh, the debate in the heat of the moment cannot happen? The debate cannot happen. Someone's got to make the decision. Yeah, it's interesting. Five captains. Um you know, I've heard of teams, uh, unless it's, I don't know what type of captains you're talking about there with that team, but, uh, you know, you hear teams go in with a, you know, a defence captain, um, you know, a kick chase captain, uh, other various forms of captains, you know, within the team. Um, I tend to, I've been through both systems. Uh, I, I like the concept that Link does. Um, I think you can get caught up in leadership groups. It can sometimes send a message that, Certainly, some environments don't need. Uh, you know, you walk out, players walking out of a leadership group meeting, and and then knowing how to go forward with the the type of decisions that are made there. Some of them aren't aren't up for it, even though they have experience. They're just not wired that way. So, you know, unless you really know your players, unless you've got a lot of heavy experience from those players in in leadership roles, it's, it can be a dangerous area to go into. And um, and you do you can marginalise some players, um, you know, not intentionally, but an experienced player might feel they have a right to be up there, but you've made a judgment that you don't think he's of leadership quality, so he's not in the leadership group. So you've got to be wary of those things. Um, Ireland, um, it's, uh, there's no official leadership group as such. Uh, you know, we're very fortunate uh, when Brian was here and, and we had Brian and Paul O'Connell in particular were, were guys who led, and then we also had Rory Best, who's a captain at, at at his uh, province there, or has leadership, has lead uh, captain at Ulster, and and Rogers, uh, and they had natural leadership qualities. But there's never been a, an official leadership group as such uh, that stands out separate all the time. And we've relied on the the qualities of the personnel to, to lead the way they do like to lead, um, uh, based on what we're we're trying to achieve as a, as a group. So, um, yep, was there confusion in our model? I. I I didn't see any. Um, you you could see a quick a quick glance at Brian, and 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 Brian would be uh, quite quite simply give his indications quickly, and and Paul knew how to take that forward next to the you know, referee if it was in the forward pack. Um, so I, I've never I've never seen an issue here and how it's operated. Um, but I I can imagine having five captains, it it could cause some confusion. So I, I certainly. I'd certainly have to see the model and, and, and the rationale behind it before I make a heavy judgment on it, but I I don't see how it could work functionally in a footy team, that's for sure, in, in the heat of the moment. You need someone to drive the... You well, know, you, you can have someone drive the game plan like you have Quade Cooper with Queensland uh, around that pivot position, but you just need someone where the buck stops. The buck has to stop with someone. Well, it, it does have to. Now, I think what's what stops with that... What's the buck? What, what does it stop there? It, is it... The, the management of the referee, is it the key decisions about the set piece, the strategy involved around that? 
Um, you know, if, if, if I had equate Cooper and he had to look every time uh, in between set piece to his to his captain to make his decisions and make sure he's on the right path, then you'd be a bit worried. Like, he should be free to just operate, uh, run the game as he needs to in the tactical element of set between set piece uh, plays and, and run the game. And uh, so, but I think that's, that's different, Kissy. I, I think that's responsibility. Not necessarily. I know you're saying you're going to say it's a form of leadership, and yes, in a way. But I think that's his responsibility. And then you are leading when you do that. But I think the leadership yeah. is to make sure when things don't go wrong that you step right. in. Yeah, and the key decisions from uh, when the game stops, uh, the key the key decisions and the direction or the redirection are, are come down on those guys. So uh, you're right, maybe uh, a former leadership's not the right word. It's 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 his responsibility. It's it's what he's there for to to drive the game in between the set pieces and um, uh, certain models. Uh, and the point I was trying to make was certain models when you have a cap, uh, too many captains around there, and a captain for each discipline of the game. Uh, does that hinder the process and hinder the opportunities or the potential of what your team can achieve, particularly when you've got Quade Cooper there? Uh, if you had to look left and right for any sort of, you know, uh, indication about whether he was doing the right thing all the time, then that would be, you know, uh, a wrong way to go about it for sure. But um, look, each each team has their own challenges in it. But I I, I think a streamlined operation, as you say. Uh, that one point of call certainly is the best way in recent years. Uh, I know leadership groups are used widely and, and there's some powerful things that can come from it, but I think it can go too far. And of course, I think uh, I meant to say before when things go uh, go wrong and don't, not don't go wrong. So I don't know what I was doing, but I was channeling Mark Cashman for a while. I've got a lot of buttons to press here, Kissy. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like running the Starship Enterprise. Well, the buck stops with you, mate. Yeah, it does. It stops with me. Yeah, get it done. Okay. (laughs) Mate, thanks for joining us. You're in your hotel tonight. You don't have any speckly lights behind you like Rocky Elsom. That look quite spectacular. But, Uh, 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 look, I I guess this is a great thing coming up on Sunday um, out of your home ground. And uh, I was going to call it uh, Lansdowne Road again because uh, I don't know any different. But, uh, you know, Aviva's going to be a great for you again to come home and... You know, it's, I guess not prove a point, but you'll be busting to get out there. At the first game of the Six Nations, there's a lot of stake. It, it's you know, losing it doesn't mean you can't win a championship. But um, you know, if we if we lose this or whoever, whichever team loses this, certainly doesn't have a triple crown to go for. Um, so you know, there's one one piece of silver we would like to win. Uh, you can still win a Six Nations, but you can't win a Grand Slam. So. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of stake in the first match of the tournament, and um, uh, it's it's a great challenge. This 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 is a team that's the Welsh team I'm talking about that has a lot of confidence recently. And uh, despite the fact since they beat us, they've lost every test they've played. The three tests, I don't think, you know, they'd be too worried about that. They know that they have a good blend of youth and experience, and um, you know, they'll be coming here, with, uh, you know, to, to try and upset us again. And uh, we, do, we, we, you know, we've prepared well. We've got some players in good form, and um, uh, you know, we're, we're confident that if, if we play, play to our best, that we can get the job done. That's for sure. But a couple of days' time, we'll find out, I guess. But uh, uh, it'll be it'll be a cracker of a match. That's for sure. The, the, the atmosphere at the Viva, which is on Lansdowne Road, by the way, mate, yeah. is, is unbelievable when they get going. So, looking forward to it. Yeah, certainly am. Well, Les, uh, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Uh, appreciated, as always, your time. 
and uh, you better have a bit of a kip in and uh, get ready for the game, hey? Cheers, mate. Thanks for that, and uh, howdy, everyone. See you next time. There he is, Les Kick. Uh, Les Kick. There he is, Les Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long Get night. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Former <laughs> North Sydney flyer. Oh, looking at a million dollars there. No, don't forget, Kissy. Um, you can. We're on video now, so you can plug whatever you've got going. You can have the Puma gear on or whatever you want. Ah. I, I can get that tattoo that I was after. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that's gold. That's gold. All right, mate. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Kissy. There he is, Les Kiss. Thanks, guys. And uh, Mark Cashman and Rocky Olson before him. And just as I wind it up, uh, yes, our first show, a couple of little teething problems. Uh, we will work that uh, through over the coming weeks and uh, hopefully um, produce some more uh, entertaining guests that you can see on screen as well. Uh, the iTunes uh, feed for this will become available during the week, optimised for those uh, screens. So uh, they'll look pretty sharp there. You can see it on the website, of course, and uh, you will be able to uh, see it on YouTube as well. So keep an eye out. The audio stream will get out before everything else. So we'll look after our old faithful listeners. There's no worries about that. You can continue to get that on the normal stream. But for everything else, uh, there'll be a new video stream but if you just go to the website ruggermatrix.com and subscribe to the newsletter you won't miss out at all all right uh, and i did send a tweet out about uh, looking after your business or whatever getting it on the show haven't had time to do that but uh, i'll send a, a more formal note out on the newsletter and of course on the website as well so if you want a bit of branding in our second video show next week happy to give that away free and it'll show that uh, we have a bit of muscle in helping out your business so all right, that's it for our first show. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, give us some feedback if you want on admin at ruggermatrix.com or through Twitter. And uh, we will speak to you next week, hopefully after a massive first weekend of Six Nations. Until then, bye for now.